welcome to the BMJ podcast. Thankfully, electrical injuries are relatively uncommon, but that means that the lack of evidence regarding management of patients who have been electrocuted can cause concern for clinicians when these patients present. I'm Kath Brazell, clinical editor for the BMJ. I'm joined by one of the authors of a clinical update on the management of electrical injury, Kumar Narayanan, a consultant cardiologist and electrophysiologist at Max Cure Hospitals in India. Thanks for joining us, Kumar. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So to start, in the article, um, you say that many shocks go unreported. Is there any idea about the scale of the shocks? Presumably it's also quite region specific? Yes, that is correct. The incidents uh, definitely would uh, vary by geographical uh, distribution because oftentimes safety measures and, you know, and workplace safety measures also vary between uh, places. So the exact incidence of these, uh, in these events remains difficult to estimate. But uh, overall, thankfully, as you uh, said, it's not very common. And we have some estimates, uh, for example, from the United States, which estimate that about roughly uh, 4,500 people are injured in electrical accidents uh, each year with about 400 uh, fatalities. And uh, the extreme form of uh, electrical injury would be represented by a lightning strike. And uh, this has been estimated to be responsible for up to 100 deaths uh, annually. So it's not extremely common, but uh, I think it's encountered fairly sufficiently in the clinical practice so that uh, clinicians have a need to be aware uh, as to how to go about managing these patients. Absolutely. And so what happens in the body when you get an electric shock? Can you just take us through that, please? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, basically, the effects uh, of uh, the electric current on the human uh, body uh, depend on several factors. So the injury to the tissues happens as a result of the action of the electric current on the human cells, on the human tissues. And there are two types of effects which we need to consider. The direct effects of the electric current are due to the action of the electrical current itself, which can cause damage to body cells and it can also alter the electrical properties of uh, individual cells. Secondly, you can also have indirect effects where you can have conversion of the electrical energy to heat, and therefore you can have thermal injuries or burn injuries, and you could also have mechanical trauma related to falls uh, in the uh, accident. What are the organs of the body that are most commonly affected? Uh, literally every organ in the body has the potential to be affected by electric uh, current, Though there is a specific predilection for the heart uh, to be more vulnerable to injury, and uh, this is because of certain reasons. Firstly, when electricity acts on the human body, it tends to conduct along paths of least resistance, and these tend to be the nerves and blood vessels. And essentially, the neurovascular bundles, as we call them, uh, are all connected to the heart. Secondly, the central position of the heart within the human body, like it's situated right in the middle of the chest, would make it much more likely that it's present in the current of the electric part of the electrical current, either if you get a arm-to-arm -arm electric shock or if you get an arm-to-foot electric shock, uh, it's very likely that the heart is going to be along the path of the electrical current. The third um, issue is that the, uh, there is a predilection of the heart arrhythmias or rhythm disturbances, which can be serious and potentially uh, fatal. This is a unique vulnerability of the heart as compared to other organs. So apart from uh, the heart itself, 
you know, various uh, other organs, including the respiratory system, can be affected. You can have uh, paralysis of the breathing muscles. You can have various musculoskeletal injuries, such as fractures, muscle injuries, and so forth. You can also have injuries to nerves and to, uh, you know, uh, uh, injury to the brain in the form of, you know, impaired memory and recall and so forth. And you can also imagine that the initial point of contact, which is the skin, is often affected uh, in the form of burns, which can be either minor or it can be pretty extensive sometimes, requiring specialized uh, burn management. And lastly, one um, uh, thing to be kept in mind is that sometimes... Uh, though uncommonly, the kidneys can also be affected uh, and you could potentially have a kidney shutdown after an electric shock. Mm-hmm. And um, how about severity of the shock itself? Does that make a big difference? Well, uh, yes, it does uh, to a certain extent. Uh, broadly, we could uh, talk about uh, electric shocks as being high voltage or low voltage. Typically, we tend to use a cutoff of about a thousand volts uh, to uh, categorize them as high voltage. So anything above a thousand volts would be categorized as a high voltage electrical shock, whereas something under a thousand volts would be categorized as a low voltage electrical injury. So a high voltage injury potentially can cause more harm because there is going to be a greater intensity of current passing through the body tissues and therefore, the electrical as well as the thermal injury can be potentially more severe. Though practically speaking, one thing, one other factor which is very important is the resistance which is encountered when the current passes through the human body. The skin being the point of first contact offers the maximum resistance. And a useful point to keep in mind is that the presence of moisture or wetness can considerably reduce skin resistance. Therefore, if your skin is wet, you know, what might otherwise have been a fairly minor electrical shock could be converted to a major and potentially life-threatening injury. So both the voltage as well as the resistance matter. And the other factor duration uh, for which you're in contact with the current source, as well as the potential path of the current through the body. And do we have any data about survival, both short and long term, with these patients? Yeah, these uh, data are... uh, Uh, not very uh, abundant, though overall uh, the experience uh, from the the available series suggests that uh, the prognosis is generally uh, reasonably good, especially in people who have had low voltage electrical injuries and they haven't had any serious um, arrhythmias at initial presentation. The chances for them to have a life-threatening event are uh, fairly low. So, you know, we could potentially reassure such patients saying that, you know, any long-term sequelae are uh, unlikely and their long-term prognosis is also going to be reasonably uh, good. Uh, In terms of uh, the few patients who present with either high-voltage injuries or extensive skin burns, there are a small percentage of people who could have a complicated course uh, requiring intensive care unit monitoring, or potentially admission to a burns unit because of extensive burns. But uh, we would say that I think overall the, uh, the prognosis would be reasonably good for these patients. So I think um, that's really helpful, that's that summary. People who have had a normal ECG on admission after a low voltage injury with no loss of consciousness or initial cardiac arrest, they all may be discharged home 
safely? That's a reasonable uh, statement to uh, make, uh, though, as uh, we mentioned before, the extent of evidence in the field is rather limited. But whatever we uh, do have seems to support this uh, statement that if you've had a low voltage injury and uh, you haven't had any arrhythmias or, you know, a loss of consciousness and you're ECG at admission is normal, then it seems that the chances of uh, delayed uh, after effects, especially in the form of cardiac arrhythmias, is low. So it's reasonable to discharge such patients uh, home. On the other hand, if they've had a high voltage injury or have had a fainting spell or uh, they, sh they present with some abnormalities on the baseline ECG, it may be prudent to monitor them at least for uh, 24 hours with cardiac monitoring. Thank you, Kumar. You've been listening to Kumar Narayanan discuss the clinical update on electrical injury. The full article is now available on bmj.com and includes a handy infographic to spell out assessment. If you've enjoyed this, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find our archive for free on SoundCloud. Just search for BMJ Talk Medicine. Thanks for listening.